0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of Ed Choice Chats. This is Mike McShane, Director of National Research at Ed Choice, and you're joining us for our monthly tracker polling podcast. As you all may be aware, each month we partner with Morning Consult to poll a nationally representative sample of Americans. We oversample parents, as you might imagine, at an organization like Ed Choice. We care deeply about what parents think, so we make sure to oversample them to get a nice representative sample. The poll that we're going to be talking about today was in the field from October 12th to October 16th, 2023. So right really in the kind of meat and potatoes of the fall semester, right? I think back to my teaching days, there is a stretch from Labor Day to Thanksgiving. And it may be some schools take a fall break. But for schools that don't, I think that is like the longest uninterrupted line of teaching that you do or learning, depending on which perspective you're in, or sending your kids to school. We'll cover all the waterfront there. I think that's the longest uninterrupted spell because most schools have like a spring break and you have sort of Martin Luther King Day and a few other things that get sprinkled in there. So yeah, so this was done right in the middle of it. So parents, we're asking them questions about school, like their kids are in it. So I think there's lots of opportunities to get interesting stuff. I'm joined today by my colleagues John Christoph and Allie Aldous. Allie, I'll probably throw it to you first. Ali wrote a fantastic blog post summarizing this month's findings. You can find it on our EdChoice Engage website. As always, you can go to edchoice.morningconsultintelligence.com and you can actually see the whole PowerPoint deck that Morning Consult puts together, all the crosstabs, all of the survey instruments, yada, yada, yada. But Allie, if you wanted to highlight one or two things that stood out to you this month? I'm not gonna ask you to do like a book report and say like, can you give us the seven things that you found interesting? But just like, what were one or two things that maybe stood out to you this month? Either new questions we asked or sort of new insights from older questions. What stood out to you this month?
1: Yeah, thanks, Mike. I'd say that this month we asked a lot of new questions centered around education technology, trying to get a deeper dive of parents and just the general population's opinions on how kids are using technology in and out of the classroom and what sort of red flags that might raise for us if we're trying to address any problems that's creating in the classroom. As we might expect, there were a lot of parents that expressed concerns that their children are overusing technology. About 40% of parents reported that their kid is spending too much time on technology, and this is across grade levels. It's pretty similar. It increases a little bit where high school parents are a little bit more worried about this sort of thing, but it's a pretty substantial group of parents across ages. And this changes with the type of technology we're looking at. Parents in general are more optimistic about computer use being a useful learning tool than cell phone use. One of the biggest things that stood out to me is that there's a huge difference between parents' and teachers' opinions on cell phone use and how that's impacting children. About 55% of parents say that cell phone use has been positive for their kids' learning, but only 16% of teachers are saying that cell phone use is positively impacting student development. So I guess there's a good question to ask there about why we see this sharp difference in perspective between parents and teachers on the issue of cell phone use and what teachers are seeing in the classroom that parents may not be seeing or what parents are seeing at home that teachers don't have as much insight on.
0: That's super interesting.
2: John, what stood out to you this month? Yeah, the technology questions, I think, remain very interesting to look at all the different ways that we've approached the issue of technology, I think is vital because, you know, technology means lots of different things, of course. I think the first thing that comes to many people's mind with technology in the classroom is, you know, cell phones and, you know, kids' particularly maybe in high school or middle school looking at cell phones instead of paying attention but if you ask parents just about the use of technology and the effectiveness of technology in education or how helpful or detrimental technology is things like computer programs that are used to help foster individualized learning and things like that which can be very beneficial in certain circumstances but you know screen time is still screen time and you know i think we're still researching how much they affect screens themselves and just the use of screens themselves affect development and things like that? There's lots of questions and one thing that I found particularly interesting or one angle to look at all of these different questions that we asked that I think illustrates this kind of back and forth you know there's this, but then there's also this is just a couple of questions about cell phone use, particularly, you know we have one question where we ask parents, how would you describe the impact of your kids' cell phone use on their social-emotional development? So, you know, outside of academics specifically, but how is it, you know, affecting them more holistically? And 55% of parents said that it was somewhat positive or very positive. And just as a reference point in comparison, you know, 27% say negative. And then a fifth of parents, that means that a fifth of parents say that they don't know. But- think of 55% saying yes i think it has some kind of positive social emotional benefit but then we also ask a question just very shortly after in the survey how concerned are you about social media use on your kids mental health and you know honestly i think when we're talking about social and emotional development the connection between cell phones and social media pretty strong then you have 43% of parents saying that they are very concerned or extremely concerned. And then if you want to add parents who even just say that they're somewhat concerned, you have more than three out of every four parents saying that they are concerned about their kids' social media use having a negative impact on their mental health. So there's lots of room for parents to see positives in technology use for their kids' development and the kids' academic development, not just with these questions, but with lots of other questions. But then at the same time, many of these parents will also see Negative impacts. And, you know, maybe it's a cop out to say (laughs) some people like technology and some people don't. But, you know, the interesting thing is there's a dual edged sword to many powerful things and technology and cell phones, social media being some of the most powerful stuff out there. It really comes through here. And this just points to an angle about technology that I think about a lot is whether we like it or not, it's here to stay. You can't wish away a lot of development that's happened, a lot of Access to internet and social media that just exists, you can't unring the bell. so the question is how can you shape that access and how can you shape those tools to ways that help kids development the best? And I think the more that we lean into that question, I think the more effective and healthier our kids will be.
0: Yeah, one thing that stood out to me, which I thought was interesting. so on that question of how often do you say your child or children spends on social media, the percentage of k four, Parents who said that it was extremely or very often, so that's like thirty-two percent, so almost a third. And the numbers weren't that different. Like five through eight was forty-one percent, and nine through twelve was forty-nine percent. I didn't even know that kids that age could have. I thought doesn't COPPA say you can't be under thirteen or something? Maybe they think YouTube or something else is
2: does that count? Two things. One is it's very possible for you know kids who are maybe nine or ten years old to you know tell. TikTok or whoever that they're older than they are. That's a trick as old as I am. But I also think more particularly, I bet parents are thinking of YouTube. It'd be interesting if we could follow up on particular social media types in the future. But YouTube is very much seen as a social media, I think. And YouTube for kids is obviously huge.
0: Yeah. And I think too, there was, I mean, the one that really stood out to me was this, just the very basic question asking your child, like, do you think they spend too much time on technology about right or too little? Almost no one, you know, rounding to no one said too little, right? Of all school parents, it was 3% said too little. Now, look, a majority, 54%, said about right. So I think that's important to sort of keep in mind. 38% said too much. But then, yeah, across all these other ones, even in, you know, 912 parents, only 4% said too little. There were very few people, which I think is really interesting because I was just participating in a conversation with a lot of rural education leaders. And a big discussion there has always been, though this I guess this was true in urban schools as well, but around this whole like digital divide and saying that people don't have access to technology or that, you know these types of things don't exist and the opportunities aren't there. And look, maybe the technology that they're using is slower or others, but it would seem to me that an indication that there are more pronounced gaps in these issues would be if parents were telling us. Our kids don't have enough access to technology. We want them to have more access to technology. I imagine if we asked this question 15 years ago, the, the numbers might have even been reversed and said, oh, there's all these incredible opportunities, but only some people are able to get them and not others. So I wondered, like, how this colors our understanding of things like the digital divide or where those issues are. Like, Maybe we're actually in the wrong area. So that was one thing. And the other thing that stood out to me, I was thinking about medieval history. And I knew that Allie would like that. I knew I was going to be on this with Allie. Allie and I are both massive history nerds. To be fair, John is no slouch. But, you know, when you get far enough out on the bell curve, you know, the distances can seem greater than one another. But one of the things that's always fascinated me about medieval history is that it was this interesting time in which, like, progress, and particularly, like, technological progress, was generally bad in the sense that most technological progress that took place just enabled better warfare that allowed just like massively more number of people to be killed. And even progress in things like trade and others. This was a time in human history where the benefits of trade didn't actually redound to normal people. The thing that generally redounded to normal people were plagues and diseases. So quote-unquote progress in the Middle Ages basically just made it more likely for you to get killed, either by some battle-stewing disease or by a harrowing army ransacking your land. So why did I think of that? I'm thinking about like these technology questions, right? Like, obviously, I think all of us have thought about these gains in technology and in social media and others, at least in the course of the last like 10 or 15 years of this, like this is progress and progress is good. And all of these it could be good for education. And when I look at these numbers, I can see both sides of it. Like I can see where there's clearly a narrative where you can say parents are telling us that while they do have concerns about their children spending too much time on education and teachers have those concerns, like by and large, I don't see like alarm bells necessarily going off here that parents are massively concerned. But there's still enough like worrying stuff here to say, I don't know, man, like kids really into social media and really spending too much time on devices. Like this sort of progress might actually be bad. John or Allie, when you look at these things, okay, this is now we're sort of stepping outside of like the actual numbers and we're just like baselessly talking things like drunks in a bar. But if that isn't what podcasts are for, I don't know what they are. But taking it just sort of like more like holistically, when you look at all of these questions we've been asking, we've asked them of teachers, we're asking them of parents, we're asking them of the general public. Like, how do you make sense of what these technology questions are telling us?
1: It's funny you uh, bring up medieval history because last night I was at Barnes & Noble and they got me with a really cool copy of Life in a Medieval City. But (laughs) that's neither here nor there. To respond to your question... I think that what we're seeing is that it can't really be narrowed down to whether technology is being a good or bad influence on kids or on the classroom. We're living in a post-pandemic classroom where a lot of technology has been brought in, whether we like it or not. And now I think we're realizing it's up to us, it's up to parents, kids, teachers to figure out ways that technology can be beneficial and try to recognize ways that technology can be harmful. So it's definitely a two-pronged conversation, and I think that's reflected by a lot of the results we're seeing from these polls. People have real concerns, but we're also seeing real benefits and things that seem pretty promising about how we can use technology to boost the learning experience, and what you were mentioning earlier about having this great divide, how the internet and technology can really boost accessibility, I think that's very true, and it's an important thing to keep in mind as we're looking at these results. Things like computer use, being a sustainable resource in the school, can be a huge advantage, something that's even maybe required to access career opportunities for high school kids who are looking for jobs. But things like social media use might pose a threat to making sure we can have a good learning environment in the classroom. So I suppose I'm sort of in the same boat as John, when I'm not really saying a whole lot of anything, just that there's nuance. But I think that's the most accurate picture that we have here.
2: Yeah, I tend to yes if these kinds of questions, or that leads me to be a little bit more on the techno-optimist side of things, I suppose, where yes, technology can be beneficial if we interact with it in a certain way. And the more conversations that I have about technology and the more I hear from, you know, this isn't a teacher's podcast, but the more that I hear from Speaking to teachers about the relationship with technology and the classroom now, and just even how much different the classroom is because of technology than it was when I was in elementary school, which, all things considered, over the course of American history is not that long ago. I think actually a lot of the conversations about the relationship between technology and kids' education really is not that different from a lot of conversations that we're having about the relationship between. Technology and us as adults. You know, we can complain about kids spending too much time on social media. And, you know, there are very few people at this point who have a smartphone who have not had a whole evening go away at some point because they have been looking at a screen so much. And I think the common question that I come down to when I think about my social media use and my family's social media use. I think this applies for kids as well. Is are you being a consumer or are you being a producer in some way? Or are you helping produce something or build something better than was there before? Social media is powerful in a very positive sense a lot of times when you are kind of creating things with other people. And that's like the good old days of MySpace and Facebook, right? If there's such a thing as a good old days, is when the main purpose of it was putting stuff out there and putting stuff up. Instagram was the same way before it became much more about consuming different types of entertainment. And, you know, there's always some both and, and you can still do that now for sure. It's just not what people think of when it comes to social media. Technology can help us produce things in ways that we couldn't before. So similarly in kids' classrooms now, you have a choice between using technology as a kind of pacifier where you can kind of feel like you're getting work done because you're kind of going through motions or you feel like you've got a handle on your classroom because kids are looking at screens and the colors are giving, you know, the dopamine responses that kind of satisfy them or you can really focus on for example the type of individualized learning that you can get done because of technology in ways that couldn't get done before. I used this example last month. We can talk about AI as a potential for increased cheating and things like that and that's true, but we can also figure out ways to let AI help us create things better than we could before, I would go back to individualized learning. Kids can have conversations with AI and get you know, some kind of basic standard level individualized tutoring for free with AI tools that exist online now. So we just got to figure out how to use the tools we have and figure out ways to be producers with them and not be satisfied with just kind of, consuming entertainment, pacification, and the challenges for kids and teachers, I think, are really not that different from the challenges of us as adults, which means that we're going to solve them all together as we kind of navigate a changing landscape here. So what else stood out to folks?
0: We don't have to be as broad as understanding the nature of technology and how it shapes the human experience can be slightly more, uh, (laughs) you know, bring in the scope of things to be a little bit tighter in focus. But anything else stood out to you
2: all this month? I'll jump in real quick, because I wanted to mention the question that we have about access to mental health services. And this is something that's split out by school type. So we ask parents whether their child's school provides mental health services to students who need it, to the best of their knowledge. And just to break out by school type, 68% of private school parents say that their kid's school does, 64% of charter school parents say the same, and 58% of public district school parents say the same. And the main takeaway that I have with this is that there's really not a huge sector advantage that public district schools have when it comes to access to mental health services. And I think that's important because I've seen just a number of times in varying levels of seriousness, you know, between social media and more scholarly sources, kind of making these assumptions that public districts have more economies of scale that allow their students to have access to support services, more particularly mental health services, compared to more decentralized learning options like private schools and charter schools. And we've asked this kind of question and variations of it before, and I just kind of want to highlight it now, at least when it comes to survey work, there really winds up not being a difference. Maybe more public district schools should be giving their kids access to mental health services, especially considering how much of a funding advantage they have as well, in addition to the economies of scale, if that's a meaningful impact. But when it comes to what parents are actually experiencing, to the best of their knowledge, you know, the private and charter schools are more than holding their own when it comes to mental health. Services access. Now, I will say, with private schools being the highest at sixty-eight percent, there might be some people out there who find that surprisingly low, and you know, do with that what you will. But I think it's an interesting question to kind of pay attention to.
0: Allie, anything else stand out to you?
1: Yeah, we asked an interesting question about gifted academic programs and how many parents have kids who are enrolled in some form of advanced education. So. What we saw was that half of parents said they have a kid taking at least one gifted advanced or honors class at school, which I'm not sure if I had like a formed opinion on how large that percentage would be, but that did stand out to me as pretty striking that half of parents say that their kid is taking gifted classes. And this comes in a lot of forms. We did a little breakdown where we asked parents specifically what kind of gifted programming is offered at their school, like what their kid is enrolled in. And the most common by far was honors coursework. What we're seeing is that far fewer kids are enrolled in advanced placement or IB courses, which I think is interesting because that shows that, well, you may have a lot of students who are taking advanced courses who are considered gifted by their school districts. We're seeing fewer kids enrolled in classes where they'll get college credit for those programs or be able to take those elsewhere and have these standard results to point to as evidence of what they've done. So I'm not sure if that falls more in line of what people might expect for access to those sorts of honors class opportunities. But I did think that disparity was interesting, where we have half of parents saying their kid takes honors courses, but only 15% saying they take AP or IB classes.
0: No, I think that's super interesting. I'm glad you highlighted that, because that number really stood out to me, too. I'm trying to think sort of ex-ante, if you had said what percentage of students do you think are enrolled or what percentage of parents would say that they had a student enrolled in gifted class or honors or whatever, I would have thought the number was much smaller than that, right? If you had told me a quarter or something, I'd say, fair enough. And look, maybe the students are taking one. But yeah, no, that really, I thought that was really interesting. And the breakdowns, I mean, were interesting, the the sort of demographic groups, yeah, 76% of private school parents said they had at least one quote unquote gifted child But even on the low end, like a world still 30%, like the very lowest group that we had. So yes, I think this has caused me to really think a lot about the whole phenomenon of sort of gifted education or honors classes or others. It sort of reshaped my perception, which is one of the great things that polling does, right? We have these perceptions in our mind, and then the polling tell us what's actually happening. Well, look, Allie, John, it was a pleasure as always. This was great. As I said before, you can check out Ali's fantastic blog post. On our EdChoice Engage website, where she goes into some of the greatest hits of this. But again, even this podcast and that blog post are just the movie trailer of the actual report and everything that we've done. You can head to edchoice.morningconsultintelligence.com and that will give all of the information. You go in the upper right hand corner, there's a little tab called resource downloads. You can see the PowerPoint presentation. You can see the cross tabs. You can see the actual survey we did and the manner in which we did it. And check out all of those things. We really encourage. Folks, to dig into the crosstabs, use the information as they best see fit. And as always, thank you so much to my co hosts here. Thanks to everybody on our communications team who's going to be involved in editing this. And thanks to all of you for listening. And I look forward to chatting with all of you again at some point in the future, hopefully in the near future, on the next edition of Ed Choice Chats.